Jaguars Digital. Jaguars, Jaguars Digital. Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sexton. John Osher. Ashlyn Sullivan. Jaguars Drive Time starts right now. Here we go. Welcome Tuesday morning, Jags Drive Time. Cloudy, rainy. Well, you can see for yourself. It's one of those days. Looks like we're going to be in it all day long. So try to keep a smile on your face. Welcome. Jags Drive Time. Uh, Brian Sexton, along with John Osier and Ashlyn Sullivan. And Ashlyn liked sitting here at the desk so much that she decided she was just going to join us from now on here. Yep. I like being close to John. Well, I get that a lot. <laughs> you know, for a minute there, he was hesitant about the idea. And then you mentioned being close to John, and well, yeah. then he, he kind of understood. He doesn't have as much room to flap his arms and such, but he'll be okay. <laughs> well, he'll it's a rainy it. day. It's a rainy <laughs> day in Jacksonville. It is a rainy we'll day in, in Jacksonville. How are you guys this morning? <laughs> Great. We're good. Yeah? Keeping smiles on faces. Uh, this still feels like an off-season week. Next week is shaping up like it's not going to be an off-season week. Mm-hmm. There is a lot on the docket. For next week, it starts with Paul Pazlesny's retirement ceremony. Uh, then there's the big state of the franchise with the uniform unveiling. And we anticipate the schedule to come sometime next week. I mean, all, all of a sudden, these quiet, sort of lazy days of the off season are slipping away. Well, and from a media standpoint, I believe the 16th is the opening of the off season program. I believe we're getting uh, one more reason on right. uh, Tuesday. And on uh, Friday is, is uh, the draft. I don't know if it's a luncheon, but availability. So yeah, it's it's uh, the regular season, or it's the it's the off season busiest week. And then the week after that is the draft, and then OTAs to follow. So it, I guess, getting to the end of January made the off season seem even shorter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, how it is? Time for big things. What are you start fast? You sound like you don't want to work. Bro. No, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to work. I have to get used to this. I'm normally here, right? And now I have to go here. Oh, the agony. It's what a professional has to do, and I will somehow endure it. But it's time for big things, and Ashlyn Sullivan is right over here here instead of right over there. We'll get through it. Hi, Ashlyn. Hi. Big thing number one, heavy on the quarterbacks. Recent mock drafts have almost six quarterbacks going in the first round. That means a lot of talented players will be pushed down to number 29. Now, at number 29, if one of those six is there, do you take them? Well, here's the big picture on this one, John. If you look at, at four quarterbacks going in the top 10, right, then that, that means that the Packers at number 14 have a top 10 pick excluding quarterback, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, the quarterback position is going to change the dynamic of the first round because you've got Lamar Jackson, and now people are talking about Mason Rudolph, you know, the quarterback from Oklahoma State being a first-round guy, a guy who could mm-hmm. go anywhere from you know 15 at Arizona on down to the end of the first round. So that's six guys non-quarterbacks that are going to be pushed down the board. One of those might be a guy that Jaguars really like and didn't know that he would sure. be close to them. The other could be a guy that someone else really likes and thinks, well, I'm going to jump back into the first round and see if I can't get him at 29. Well, and I think that's the point. Um, I don't think the answer to would the Jaguars take a quarterback if he fell to number 29 is necessarily a yes. But if it's the right quarterback, if it's yeah, a guy maybe. that they think is one of the top two or three players in the draft and is an all-time. Um, but I don't think they're at all in a situation where they have to take any quarterback. I don't think they will take a quarterback because I can't imagine one of the top two or three guys, the true prototypes, the true can't miss 
that they would just fall in love with would slide. So I think the more likely scenario is that their draft is dramatically affected by the fact that there could be, I think it's more likely five ahead of them. I don't think Rudolph will go that high. But if he does, then all of a sudden you're right. It, 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 it means instead of picking 29th, they're actually picking 23rd out of the positions that they would actually covet. Well, I talked to a guy yesterday that I trust, I've known for a long time, who believes that Rudolph will go in front of the Jaguars. There are enough teams that like him and think that they need a quarterback that he'll go. But regardless, five quarterbacks is enough that it could create, depending on mm-hmm. who goes where, you could see a flurry of trades. And sure. what, what the, the scenario that was explained to me was, was that teams who want a quarterback, and there are a couple of them sitting in that range, are going to feel the heat and want to get a guy. And so you're going to see teams vaulting and talking about getting up in front of Buffalo at 11 or Arizona at 15 or whomever it might be. It could create a firestorm of trades. Now, we say that all the time, right? Oh, there'll be a lot of trades, and then that doesn't always happen. Well, but it's usually for quarterback. If it's going to happen, it's usually going to happen for quarterback. Right. Uh, And if chaos is going to happen in the first round, it's usually going to happen for quarterback. And again, I think you've got a combination of at least five guys who are uh, worth coveting, and you have a lot of teams this year who actually covet them. When Aaron Rodgers uh, slid, remember, a big issue was, well, one team needed a quarterback, and then all of a sudden you got to a range where you knew he was going to slide because there weren't a lot of teams who were, quote, seeking quarterbacks. So it's a lot less apt to have a long slide this year, I believe. It's just interesting that you say five quarterbacks that teams are coveting. Is anybody coveting Lamar Jackson? Well, somebody's going to. Do you think so? I mean, if he goes in the first round, somebody coveted. Well, I mean, I, okay. I mean, I guess that's that. Maybe that's the very definition of coveting that you you cover the Wanted. quarter, the cover back, the quarter cover. You got me twisted. <laughs> Quarterbacks in the first round, you can use the fifth year option on. Right. So that's why teams would take a guy like a Lamar Jackson, maybe if they thought he belonged at twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, instead of taking him in the second round because you get that fifth year right. leverage towards the position. I just wonder if there are enough teams that think, wow, I've got to have Lamar Jackson, or if he's a guy that outside of the fact that he's a quarterback would sit at the top of the second round instead. You see what I'm saying? Is right, that, yeah. I don't know that it, there's enough questions about him. I don't know. Does anyone covet him? Well, I mean, he put butts in seats, that's for sure. He's an exciting player to watch. Well, is you, that not enough? Well, if you think that a guy that throws a lot of interceptions, right, right. in his first year is, because well, it, rookie quarterbacks tend to do that. if you're saying he's going to go in the first round... Uh, I guess he's going to take a first-round pick. Is he a first-round pick? Uh, Yeah, I think he'll go before the Jaguars select. Right. And I'm not trying to suggest that the Jaguars would select him. It's just there's the the four guys that no one questions. Right. And then there's Lamar Jackson, and seems like he could go anywhere from 11 to 32. True. And I think Rudolph could go anywhere from 20 to uh, somewhere in the second. So we'll see. Well, it's going to be an interesting first round. It always is because of the quarterbacks, as you mentioned. And then there's another position group that you might see, and that's offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the next group that could start a run because, as we've talked about, there's only 33 that were drafted last year. 33 in the entire draft. They're at a premium. And, and, and there's a number of guys. that dynamic of guys getting pushed up. Uh, when we first started doing mock drafts in uh, February, uh, Mike McGlinchey, for example, was a guy that you saw mocked to the Jaguars at 29. Now all of a sudden you're seeing him 8 to 15, somewhere in there, which I don't think – I think that is a uh, example of a guy being pushed up. 
I don't know that he's necessarily a, quote, top 10 pick, but the need for that position is, is very great. Well, it's also pushing other guys up the board, too. Uh, the Colton Miller kid from UCLA, the Brian O'Neill kid from Pitt, the converted mm-hmm. tight end, are both guys who are on the fringes now of the first round, sitting there between, you know, 28 and 32. There's some guards. Will Hernandez from UTEP. Uh, Billy Price, who hurt himself at the Combine, the kid right, from Ohio State. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, so you're seeing Quentin Nelson, obviously, is very, very, very high in this thing. But you're going to see offensive linemen and quarterbacks that I think will create an interesting dynamic in the first round. And I think the Jaguars go offensive line. Yeah, I think that makes the most mm-hmm. sense for this team. Although I'm a best available player guy, depending on who's sitting there. So we've talked about the salary cap ad nauseum for this. We'll leave that alone for today's discussion. Uh, but you can never rule out a defensive player if one is sitting there that you like a lot, a lot. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more big things with Ashland. Lots on the docket here. This is Jags Drive Time on TuneIn Radio and social media. What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars Jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time on TuneIn Radio and on social media. Brian Sexton, John Osier, Ashland Sullivan here. Quiet before the storm, as we mentioned off the top, a busy week next week. Not the least of which is the start of the off-season program, which takes us to big thing number two, Yes, one to watch. We all picked one player that we're intrigued and interested to see enter this building. Players will enter this building on Monday. My player that I'm excited to watch is Austin Safarian Jenkins. So excited on Twitter to be coming to Jacksonville, especially with the departure of Mercedes Lewis. I'm excited to see him getting this building and see if he'll get that tight end number one spot for sure. Austin Marion Jenkins is my guy. Well, they're paying him to be that guy. Absolutely. So he better get that. Right. I'm interested in him because when they cut Mercedes, they were taking a guy who they counted on to seal the edge in the running game. If you go back and look at the 19-yard touchdown run in Pittsburgh in the playoffs mm-hmm. that uh, Leonard had, you, you can see Bud Dupree just be pushed out of the picture by Mercedes. Uh, that's something they've counted on around here. Right. And I asked Dave Caldwell, he said he's 270 pounds, he can block. <laughs> so... I just watching him last year in New York when we played the Jets. I didn't see 270. I'm interested to see him when he gets back. Absolutely. Exciting guy to watch, that's for sure. What do you think? Uh, on Safarian Jenkins? Well, sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think what they absolutely need in the position, if he can give them, if Mercedes was a 7, which I don't think he was a 10 anymore by the time he left in terms of run blocking. Sure. But if Mercedes was a 6 or a 7, if Safarian Jenkins can give them a 4 or 5 and get close and give them some sort of edge in the passing game. Uh, it's important for every quarterback. I think it's really important for Blake Bortles. And it's if he can give them anything in that in that area, 
it would be a huge boost because the Jaguar, you know, it, it has been a dry area for the Jaguars for too long. So if they can get anything out of it, if, if they can get a 22-yard gain in the middle of the game that they weren't getting before, goodness, what does that open up? And right. I think that's a really big thing that they're obviously counting on them to bring. I wonder, I still like what you threw out there three or four weeks ago of drafting somebody and going full board to receiving tight ends. Yeah. Like the Patriots That's still did. very intriguing to me. Uh, usually things you say aren't, but <laughs> that one is, I mean, and I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But oh, yeah, I can tell. That one is stuck with me Yeah, because there's an element where you think if they're going to go this route, do you draft a lineman, draft a tight end, and draft a running back and go really full board to this idea, we're going to use the tight ends, we're going to use the running backs, and this is going to be our offense, and the wide receivers are going to be supplemental rather than the main part of the offense. Well, in conjunction with the running game especially, if you go back, and I did this week, and look at the Patriots in 2011. 2010, they drafted Gronkowski in the second round and Aaron Hernandez Mm -hmm. from Florida in the fourth round. In 2011, so their second year together. Which should have been the epic tight end draft of all time. Because Aaron Hernandez, despite everything else, was really good. He was a tremendous but, player. You know. Tremendous player. Um, they combined. Gronkowski had 90 catches in 2011. Hernandez had 73. Mm-hmm. That's 163. That's Jimmy Smith, Keenan, McCardell territory, yeah. right? So it makes sense to me because Marone and Belichick think alike. There's some in, many, there. yep. in, re- in many respects, they do. And if you have a quarterback whose deep accuracy isn't his strong suit, which the Jaguars do, and yet the underneath stuff and the play action, which it is, mm-hmm. but I think it could be a it's winning time. Yep. And there are some good tight ends that will be sitting there at 29, and probably there'll be a good one at 61 also. But, I, I mean, I don't rank the players, so we'll let them decide where the guy fits. But I just have this hunch that that New England offense, which if you go back and look again at – that season 11 mm-hmm. they were very difficult to match up with it's a little dicey to think that they would do it immediately only because tight end can be a tough position to transition to right, right. and that's the one thing that sort of keeps you out of it but it um, didn't take long for them to get that thing in, up and running and uh, of course they had a quarterback named brady so right. yeah. it's never hard when you got a guy like that for sure um how about you who are you interested in looking at well you know it, it's uh i stay away from linemen when I'm talking about OTAs, because the obvious one is to say Andrew Norwell, but what are you really going to see? Uh, I would say Dante Moncrief and the rest of the receiving core. How that's going to play out, that's something you can watch in the offseason, something you can watch in OTAs. Uh, can he bring an element of what they lacked last year in terms of big play downfield? Right. Can he be a viable replacement for Allen Robinson? And then just sort of overall, how it's all going to fit together. I think. Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, Didi Westbrook, uh, Dante Moncrief, how that's going to play out, where these guys fit. You get the feeling that it's going to be a very split rotation between uh, those four guys, but how it's going to play out, I think it's, in, it's intriguing for this offense. I will go with Cam Robinson, and I get it. I mean, you really you can't see a lot from the big guys until the pads go on. Uh, so how do I say this kindly? He's this great big kid, great player at Alabama, but still in a big kid's body. Yeah. Um, yeah. They didn't have the time in Alabama in college ball to build him up like they are doing right now with Tom Myslinski and that strength draft. Um, I'm really interested to see what he looks like when he gets a full year 
So not really in terms of you know how he's pushing guys off the line of scrimmage, but if they can take, especially his upper body, if they can take it and really use and maximize the time well. Well, he's, he's 21, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a young kid. So there's a lot of man strength that comes about in an offensive lineman that young as they grow from 20 to 23 and 24. Absolutely. Yeah. I expect that to happen for him. Good player, played well, um, but always looked at him and thought, all right, what, let's see what you got in two years mm-hmm. when Tom and his crew down in the weight room have had more time to work with you. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Back to you, Ashlyn, for Big Thing 3. We're looking at players again this time, though, yes. the college kids, or at least positions. Yes, we're drafting in here. So first and second round, all exciting. We're looking way deep into the third round here. Not with me, I think it's depth, especially with the defense. Maybe linebacker there. I think you're really looking at building depth on that depth chart. Um, I don't spend that much time looking beyond one and two because mm-hmm. it's so tough to... Oh yeah, names are going to do. Names are ridiculous. But my guess is they go. You know, it's going to depend on what they do in 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 one and two. I think they're going to go offensive line and a tight end early. So that's where you might see linebacker. Uh, it makes sense because they need depth there. I agree with Ashton that depth will be the key, and I do think they're going to want to try to find at least one special teams guy out of that third and fourth. So I think somewhere in that third and fourth, there's going to be a secondary player or a linebacker that is expected to be involved at least somewhat in the rotation by the end of the season. Yeah, see, I mean, I, I didn't want to get name-specific necessarily here because you're right. I mean, we don't go to the depth like sure. these guys do. I, I could throw out uh, Deshaun Elliott, the safety from Texas, right? Or Tim Settle, the, the defensive tackle from Virginia Tech. And I only know it because I've done some time on it, mm-hmm. but it, that, I don't go any deeper than that. But position-wise, I look at safety. Because you look at the two safeties the Jaguars have. Both of them are now getting older, obviously. Both of them were undrafted rookie free agents. And both of them started on arguably the best defense in football last year. So safety is a position where in the later rounds and in undrafted free agency, they should be able to start looking for these guys' replacements and find good young players, whether they leave after next season or the year after, whatever, but develop these guys behind Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson the end of the first, the end of the third day, and the start of rookie free agency should be fertile ground for a position like safety. And those are guys who contribute on special right, teams, big time, big time. Yeah. So, all right, we'll take a break when we come back. So here, right <laughs> here. Okay, when we come back, we got this little thing we're working on. Back after this on Jags Drive Time. Don't miss the Jaguars uniform launch and draft party presented by PRI Productions on Thursday, April 26th at Daly's Place. Register for free at jaguars.com slash draftparty18 for the chance to see the defending AFC South champions wearing our new uniforms live on stage. Gates open at 6.30 when the live show kicks off with expert analysis, performances by the Roar and D-Line, and player autographs. Be the first to try on a new jersey and purchase your own at the Jaguars Pro Shop. Then watch the team select the newest Jaguar with the 29th pick. Registration is free at jaguars.com. So get your tickets today. Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards. And see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. 
What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Welcome back. No SOS for the weather here. It's dreary and rainy. The SOS is something entirely different. John, you might even call it a little sinister. Yeah, you're a sinister guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're used to the whole ozone thing, right? I mean, we do it shamelessly at times. But when you were gone two weeks ago, it really wasn't the ozone because you weren't with us. Wow. Yeah, we're kind so of we over. tried something different. Okay. We called it the Sullivan Osher Stexton Zone because we were answering the questions. How did that work out for you? Really well. Yeah. You a lot of feedback on that, um, did you? Amazing. Did you? Okay. Amazing, yeah. yeah. I mean, at least from the people that mattered. Sure. Which was Ashley and me. Right. Right. So we changed it up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you upset? I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> right. We knew we could count on that. Um, so Ashlyn's going to ask the first question, and then she might answer it. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, we will. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your approval. All right, Chris. I'm worried that there's a smokescreen effort by the Jacks to make everyone think we won't draft quarterback in round one when that is their hope and plan. Now, knowing Doug Marone, I don't think he is doing any smokescreens. I think he would tell it how it is, and there is no plan behind that. Well, I don't think they would say um, – it's always funny to talk about smokescreens in the draft yeah, because – there's sort of this perception that if something's out there, which is basically all analytics from the outside, that it's the team sending out smoke signals. Um, the only smoke signal that you see is the fact that every time they've talked about anything, they say that Blake Bowles is their quarterback. And everybody I've talked to said there's very little chance that they're going to draft a quarterback to compete with Blake or give any sort of a semblance of uh, – you know, this guy's here to take his job. So, um, no, I don't think this guy has to worry about a smokescreen. You know, the beautiful things about smokescreen is that now the teams don't have to send them out. Right. There's enough of this. Right. There's enough talking and tweeting and there's enough social media that teams can just sit back and say nothing. They don't have to worry about letting the Packers know, for instance, that the Jaguars are interested in a tight end. Or I mean, those games used to be played because right. there was no viable means by which teams could – have a little bit of disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, they just sit and shut up and, and let it happen. Here's the thing. I, you may have said this. Just because we think it doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, we can say, look, this is the best tight end on the board. Hayden Hurst is absolutely a first-round pick. They should take him. And they may say, we have a third-round grade on the guy, right? right? We don't know what their grades are. Neither, by the way, do the Dane Bruglers and the Matt Millers and and those you know um, uh, guys at ESPN. Um, they don't know. They don't. So the smokescreen thing doesn't have the same meaning that it once did. Right. They're not taking a quarterback in the first round. I would be stunned if they did. Stunned. Well, there you go, Chris. All right, let's go Terry from Jacksonville. Did the Jags address their needs in free agency? If so, best available receiver or tight end should be the choice. Who would you pick? Brian and I talked about this. We love these kind of questions. Should be the choice. Yeah, well, and it's nice that the reader feels so passionately, (laughs) but I don't know that that should be the pick. Um, I don't either. I I believe it'll be – 
if if I'm putting percentages on it, I think offensive line in the first round. Yes. Um, now again, when you say that, they may get to the point where when it drops and plays out and they're at 29, you don't want to take an offensive lineman. If you're the GM, you want to take the right offensive lineman. If the right offensive lineman's not there, then you have to have other options to come off the position. But when you're looking at it for the draft, you don't know how it's going to slide. So I think the percentage chance would probably go tight end. I mean, uh, offensive line, and then probably tight end, and then receiver. But if they've got a guy ranked number seven, he's a pass rushing defensive end, and all of a sudden he slides. Right. Well, they're going to take that guy, and then it doesn't matter what Johnny O's percentage is. Uh, exactly. So, I'm totally with you on that. And that I made the point last week, best available player. When don't you need the best available player? If it happens to be one of those guys, those offensive linemen that is sitting there, and it's an offensive lineman, and they have the same grade as the tight end or receiver, I take the offensive lineman because of positional value. Mm-hmm. However, if the best available player, if Deron Payne, the defensive tackle from Alabama, slides – you're going to have a need because you have two very highly paid guys and you don't want to damage your salary cap for the long term. You better have some young guys behind Malik Jackson and Marcel Darius after this season. Right. And you don't know necessarily if Michael Bennett's that guy, right? So if you have a highly ranked player that slides down the board, even though the perception is, well, they've got to go offense, uh-uh. You don't pass on a guy you have ranked way up here to take a guy you have way down here because you need it. You take the best available player, and you adjust in other places around the draft. So I wouldn't put anything past them other than quarterback. I don't see quarterback. Anything else? I don't see running back at 29 either. Anything else, though, I would say is on the table. Fair game. All right, last one. Brandon, Asheville, North Carolina. Do you think Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook can have a similar impact the Allen Bros did when they both had over 1,000 yards receiving in their sophomore year? I think, yes, when you look at how much Keelan Cole improved just in his first year, it was drastic. So now give him another year, maybe so. Um, I think no, because I don't think you're going to have... Um, I think they'd be throwing the tight ends. Well, right. yeah, I think maybe opportunity the <laughs> will keep them from being able right. to reach that thousand. Remember, Allen Robinson had 14 touchdowns, 1,400 yards. Now, the numbers are going to be skewed because I don't think they're going to pass enough to get to those numbers. But even the impact, I think... Westbrook and Cole will have a tough time making the impact that Hearns and Robinson did because those guys were starting. Well, in terms of numbers. Right. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think the receivers as a whole could. But Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook right now I don't think will be starting, except in case of injury. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they'll have a tough time. I think they'll have an impact. I think they can have a a significant impact, but I don't think they will be the front-line receivers who are the star, who are the fantasy football guys that those guys were in 2015. Agreed. The one thing they bring that neither Allen had was explosive speed. Both of those guys have the ability to get up the field in a hurry. So we could see some big plays, Mm -hmm. some explosive plays, but I'm with you, John. I don't see either one of them having 1,000 yards receiving. Right. But if you're doing the tight end things we're talking about, you don't need that. No, and I, I just, like I said, I had this hunch that the tight end, we saw the way that Nathaniel Hackett put the game plan together for the Steelers game in the playoffs. I mean, it was the short underneath, the short underneath stuff, the dump off to Koyak. Um, and they took their shot, right, to Keelan Cole. I think that game showed us the way they want to play offense. Yep. And, and it worked. And it, it, it worked. It played to Blake's strength. It played to the running game, which played to the defense, which is your, you know, your trump card. So I... I see that tight end being an important position 
first or second pick for sure, because it gives you more options for the underneath stuff that Blake does so well. Here's how much they would like to use it. Mercedes Lewis played here 12 years and had a great career, or a very, very good career here. I'd take right. I don't think you would say in his last couple of years that he was a dynamic receiving tight end. No. No. They schemed enough last year to get him five touchdowns. Uh, That was a very high number considering that he was not a great receiving tight end anymore. If if you have a couple of players who are better at getting open – and more dynamic receiving tight ends, I think you'll see that number for the tight end spot go up significantly as you go forward. All right. So for a quiet day, boy, we ran over. Lots to say. You like sitting there? Yeah. John, what do you think? Oh, I love it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. For these two, for Joe, for Max Hockman, thanks for joining us at Jags Drive Time, a very busy show on the docket for next Tuesday. Enjoy the day. Stay out of the rain.